Rachel. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm so excited to be here. I'm like used to being the one interviewing. This is so strange to me. I know. Well, it's so fun for you to be on. I am a huge fan of yours, so this is like really exciting for me to be have the opportunity to like meet you. Thank you. That's so sweet. You're going to hang up and be like, don't believe the hype on her. <laughs> no, I highly doubt that. Um, so if you want to start by just introducing yourself to the audience, like a little bit more about who you are, what you do, maybe where you currently live. Sure. So hello, everyone. My name is Rachel Mansfield. I am, most importantly, a mom of three. I have a four-year-old, two-year-old, and seven-month-old. I am a, quote, food entrepreneur. I do a lot of recipe content and development, which I've been doing for eight years now, running my website, Instagram, and social platforms. Um, I'm also an angel investor and the co-founder of Great Shit Ventures, which is a venture capital fund that my husband and I run where we invest in better for you companies in the food and beverage space. And we also angel invest in other industries. Yeah. Well, that is also cool. And I would love to hear like, were you always, when you imagine like your career as an adult or when you were like a kid, like, did you imagine like, this is what you would be doing? No, this didn't exist. Instagram came out when I was a senior or junior in college. So like, so, like there wasn't like a social media class when I went to school, like Facebook came out when I was in high school. Like it just wasn't relevant. Um, I always knew I wanted to work and I wanted to quote be successful. Like I wanted a big career for myself. Like I always envisioned coming home from an office and like taking my heels off and like being dressed up and like having a long day. But I never thought that I would do this ever. So like, and what, when did you start like posting and like start creating recipes? Like when did that start for you? So I was working at a beverage company in the CPG space. And when I was there, I felt very undervalued and undercompensated. I was running their earned media department. This is when the term like, like influencer wasn't even a thing. Like bloggers were becoming a lot more popular. So I felt that I wasn't making enough money. I wanted a side hustle. So I looked into walking dogs. I looked into babysitting. I don't like dogs and I really don't like children besides my own. So like I just wanted money. And I said to my husband, I'm going to start like making overnight oats and deliver it to people throughout Manhattan where we're living in, in Chelsea. And he just looked at me, thought that I was crazy and just said, no, that's a little insane to do. Like you need a commercial kitchen. Why don't you post recipes about overnight oats and see like what happens? So I start posting recipes about oatmeal, all about oatmeal. And it turned into like a passion of mine where I was then making like banana breads made with oat flour. And eventually I graduated from just doing oatmeal recipes and or evolved, I should say, and started making just like healthier recipes that still tasted really good. And at that time, a lot of content creators were like in a specific niche. So they were vegan recipes or they were gluten-free or they were paleo. And I was just trying to make food that tasted good, that was made with good ingredients. So I started sharing recipes and then I was still working at my full-time job. And one day I was completely blindsided and was fired from that job. My employer thought that my Instagram account, I had about like 10 or 15,000 Instagram followers. Uh, they thought that it was going to be a conflict of interest. So they told me that like, you're done, goodbye. And it was a very like cutthroat, like no, no conversation was had. And I walked onto 7th Avenue in the city and just didn't know what the heck to do. I'd gotten married four months prior and, you know, I, my husband and I were supporting ourselves. Like I were living in Chelsea, I'm, five, I'm 25 and just was fired. Like what a loser. 
And I didn't know what to do from there. And I said to myself, like, I have this side hustle. I don't think I could turn this into anything. I'm making $50 a post here and there. Like, it's basically supporting my kombucha addiction. Like, it's not doing much for me. And I was out to dinner with my mom and my dad and Jordan, my husband. And they just, it was around the holiday time, which is, there's no good time of year to get fired, but really the holiday time is just the worst because businesses shut down. Like no one's thinking about like employing a team member around then. So we were all sitting around having pizza and they just said, Rachel, like give yourself six months, see if you could turn this like food blog into something and see what happens. So knock on wood, it's been eight and a half years and I have not looked back and now my business fully supports our family. My husband quit his job in finance a couple of years ago. He works with me now and I have a look back. Yeah, no, that is such a good story. And it's like so many people, like it's just so cool because you followed something that like brought you joy and like made you excited. And I feel like when you do stuff like that, it starts to lead, like, lead you to other opportunities. Like, of course, you never imagined it would grow to be this big, but it's really cool that you used a really sucky situation to turn it into something like your career. Thank you. Yeah, my mom says getting fired was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I agree. But at that time, I just, I didn't have the confidence in myself. I looked at, you know, larger food blogs and accounts like Skinny Taste and Minimalist Baker. And I'm like, I could never be like a food, like I could never do this full time and support my family. And somehow we have made it, we've made it happen. No, of course. I feel like, I mean, it's such a scary thing. And it's almost like, like your mom says, like it's a blessing they fired you because you probably wouldn't have left for quite a while and like really followed that. So I don't know if this is an appropriate question, but I'm just like, am just curious. Like how does one make money within the food logging space? So there's a few different avenues of income. So my primary form of income and revenue is brand partnerships. So I partner with a lot of different companies on a monthly cadence or like campaign cadence, I should say. And we, they pay for like exposure on my account. So a brand will reach out. Then we, they talk now to my manager. I also managed my own business for six years. I signed with an agency a couple of years ago when Ezra was, was one and they reach out. They like tell us what their brand goals are, like what their budget is. Um, they, then they, my manager and the brands like agree on a scope of work at a rate. They send me the brief and then I make money from posting about the products that most of the time I like have been using and then get paid to talk about, which is a dream. And if that's not the case where I haven't heard of it before, before we sign a contract and before I commit, a brand will send it to me and I get to like trial it for a few months. Um, So brand partnerships is a huge part. And also like my team pitches me to brands. So it's not just inbound. Like they'll be like, Rachel's like obsessed with your egg wraps. Like, please, like she wants to do back to school content for you. Like, are you working with anyone? Then, so that would say brand partnerships is like 70% of my business, if I had to guess. Jordan's more of like the analytical person. He would probably correct me if he was here. But ad revenue is another. uh, So when people go to my website and they have those annoying ads that pop up, that's how content creators make money from their website. Then I have affiliate sales um, and revenue. So if I share like code Rachel or whichever it may be. Sometimes I get a kickback from that. And then I'm also a part of the Amazon affiliate program. So if I link to something with Amazon, a small percentage of that sale, um, I also make. And then we also invest 
Um, but I guess that's really not for content creators. So that's probably irrelevant, but we make money also based off our investments. It's just more of like a long-term play. Gotcha. Sorry. I'm sorry if that was like too much. I just, I honestly was just genuinely yeah, so apologize. curious because like, I, I, I mean, obviously this like is your full-time job and so many people are like have a full-time jobs doing this. I'm always just like very curious of like where it comes from, but, um, were you scared to like, I mean, obviously to start like pursuing this full-time, but were you nervous to like start sharing so much on Instagram and on different social media platforms or were you just like, I'm just going to go for it? I just kind of went for it. I still only think my mom pays attention to what I say and like Jordan, my husband, like I, I sometimes, they tell me all the time I'm pretty naive in the sense where like I reach so many people and I really don't think about that. Um, and not like in an irresponsible way, but like I just share things and if people are interested in them, great. And if they're not, then that's fine too. But my account has really evolved over the last, I would say, especially over the last five years, like when I first became pregnant. And that's when I started sharing a lot more like personal and like lifestyle content, I guess, more on Instagram stories. But no, I just started sharing things and people enjoy them. Great. Yeah. No, I think it is cool. And I feel like when like people start sharing more vulnerably online, like I feel like I personally connect more with the influencer and I want to follow them more just like, cause we all go through like different stuff and it's really like, it's nice to have like something to like attach yourself to like and relate to them too. Well, it shows that there's like a pulse behind the food. So, like, it's not just someone sitting there, like, cranking out all these, like, delicious recipes. Like, there's also, like, someone who's struggling with something or someone who's moving or someone who's getting mad. Like, there's just – there's, like, a a human behind everything. Exactly. And I know that, like, through, like, following you and listening to your podcast that you have, like, had previous, like, struggles with eating and things like that. So, if you want to share – I personally had, like, eating disorders, so I can very much relate to parts of your story. But if you want to share more about that with the audience – yeah, absolutely. And I haven't spoken about this in so long. Um, where do I begin? So when I was in high school, I I went through puberty really late or not late, but like delayed. I was like 13, 14 when I got my period. I had a lot of like baby weight, like baby, you know, like a baby face. Like I just didn't – all my friends were looking like these like, you know, Barbies and I was like frumpy and just like delayed. And I was very insecure in my body. And I also like did – looking back, like really overeat a lot. My brother was on the opposite end of the spectrum where my mom would be force feeding him like Oreos and Doritos and anything. And she would like go out to run an errand and I would be like shoving all the Oreos in my mouth that like I wasn't supposed to be eating. And when I was 16 years old, I started not like on a diet, but just like not overeating and started just like losing weight naturally through that. And I looked like the, basically the frame that I am now and which is like more of like my natural frame, I guess you could say. Then I went to college and gained like freshman, like 25. I gained so much weight by the beginning of my freshman year. And I was eating like chicken finger melts and late night pizza. Chicken finger melt is a grilled cheese sandwich with a chicken finger in the middle and over like drinking too much. And then by my sophomore year, I just had put on a lot a lot of weight and I wasn't happy. So I started like going on a crazy like calorie counting diet. I was obsessed and fixated on every calorie that entered my brain. Like if I took like a like a half of a lick of a pretzel, like I would somehow document that. And that was also when I stopped eating carbs, which is like like now I probably I 10 times more carbs than I do protein. I'm horrible at getting protein into my diet. Um but I just like my hair started to fall out. I lost so much weight 
Then I went abroad to Italy and I don't know who does this in Italy, but I got to like 90, 95 pounds living in Florence. And I got out of the mirror one day out of the, I'm sorry, I got, got out of the mirror. I got out of the shower one day, looked at the mirror and I didn't recognize myself. I'm like, oh my God, your boobs are like inverted. Like you don't look good. You feel, I felt horrible because I was so just like fixated on not enjoying my, my plate that I didn't know what to do. So I remember my parents were coming to visit me in Italy and I was so scared for them to see what I looked like, which like Facebook was around. They knew what I looked like. They weren't dumb. Um, but I, I realized at that point, like this isn't healthy. Like, I mean, that's a loaded term, healthy, whatever. But I what this wasn't what I wanted. This wasn't who I wanted to be. So I got home from abroad and I had to put weight on. And when I went to go to start doing that, I didn't want to just binge eat like dipping Oreos and peanut butter or like eating Domino's. And like, yeah, I had fun when I had to put weight on, but I also started really paying attention to like the nutrition of the food that I was eating. So when we would come back from going out at night, like if I didn't want pizza, like I would want like granola with almond milk or like toast with banana and peanut butter and just started making better for you choices. And that's not saying that having pizza at 3 a.m. isn't good for you, but like probably not four or five days a week. So I wanted to just like refocus my and like shift my relationship on with food. And from there, that's when I also like my passion for making recipes and making my own food started as well. And that's where I like, that's when I learned how to cook um, and really started paying more attention to it. And then it's really grown and evolved so much more since then. We're like becoming a mom. Oh my gosh. Like I thought I was like, yeah, like I'm so well mentally with food. Like my relationship with food's amazing. And then I got pregnant and then I had Ezra, my first son. And it has grown so much since then. It grows every day because like now I want to be the best example for my children. And we've become, I've become at least I should say a lot more lenient with like ingredients in our house. And like, it doesn't have to be organic and you know, it's okay to have something that has GMOs in it. Sometimes I'm not going to croak, but we, now we really live our lives in like that 80, 20 perspective, which is probably what I did in high school. Now that I'm thinking about it, when I like started to just have a better relationship with food. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I mean, thank you so much for sharing that. And I can just relate to so many parts of it because my eating disorders kind of stemmed right after when I started, like I had gained weight and I wasn't happy and I kind of thought losing weight would make me more attractive. And, but the thing is like, it's like, I didn't know how to do it. So like I, like you mentioned, I just kind of like started counting calories. I started leaving foods as good and bad. And that like, you know, is just a vicious cycle and very dangerous. And so it's like taken a lot to like unlearn all those things and like move on and grow from it. But like you said, it's kind of like a daily thing. Like every day gets a little bit easier and I don't know, you get more comfortable eating the foods that like you once labeled as like bad. Yeah. I think it's also like when I would start putting those foods in my mouth and like, oh, I'm still breathing. Everything's going to be okay. (laughs) Um, Which I think helped, helped a lot. Yeah. Like kind of like the exposure. I think that really helped me too. Like you realize that these foods that you've labeled as bad, like do not have that much power. So like you shouldn't give them that power. But what do you credit a lot of your healing to? Like just like your relationship with food and like the way you viewed food. The two things I think have helped make a huge difference for me is being married to Jordan. He has a very, very – he has an amazing relationship with food. He always has. Like he's someone who makes – like I remember the first time we ever ate together. He was like my friends always make fun of me because I'm pretty health conscious. 
And it's so weird. I was 19 and I'm in my thirties now. And I still remember when he said that to me and he's someone who like, you know, not watches what he eats, but just like, like eats a, ba- a well-balanced plate. And, but he's also someone who like goes out on a Friday or whatever day of the week and like will order like a bacon cheeseburger now on a gluten-free bun and fries and have a few beers and like nothing twice. So I think being with him really helped because I, he wasn't like a yo-yo dieter. He's never been on a diet in his life. He had never cut out a food until he found out he had celiac. Like it was just, he has a very, very good perspective with food. And then the other um, thing that I think really helped me was becoming a mom for sure. Because I see like, like, for example, we're going to Hershey Park this weekend with Jordan's family. And I feel like five, six years ago, like I wouldn't have had a Reese's peanut butter cup or a Kit Kat or anything. And now going, it's like, of course, we're going to have the candy. Of course, I'm not going, I'm not going to tell my children no. Like, I'm just, it's, I want them to have like a very good relationship and perspective on food. Yeah, no, exactly. And I feel like as a mom too, like you just become more flexible because you don't have as much time to like focus on it too. Cause you're like, I have three kids to feed. I got to feel myself. And also I think like, as you mentioned, like you're like being with your husband has really helped. And I think for me, what really helped, cause I was so like lost with myself that I was so focused on what I was eating that I lost touch of like what was normal. So like hanging out with friends or like hanging out with my brothers who just like eat whatever they want. is just like, I would like admire them. And I feel like the more I surround myself with people, like even just like some of my friends have such a healthy relationship with food and being like, well, like it's so easy. Like I can just eat the cake if I want, but I also like don't. So I think it's really helpful to have that exposure with like other people. It is. And like, it's also, you know, we're, I started, um, I'm going to dinner with some friends next week. And one of the women I'm going to dinner with is like crazy about her body. And I was talking to like one of my really close friends about it because she's going to dinner with us. And she's like, it's like triggering for me to see what she posts on Instagram. Like she posted a selfie in the mirror being like, I kid you not, it said starvation and exercise really work. Wow. I'm like fitting in my pre-baby clothes. And I look at that and I'm just like, that's not okay. Like that's not the message. Like you have a daughter. That's not something you should be saying. Like if that's what you feel, like keep that in your in your mind. But it takes – you have to be very strong minded to be able to just say like, no, starvation and exercise, while they may work, they don't work long term, they're mentally going to F you up. And no one should be, you know, spreading that message. So I don't think it's like, I'm not going to tell this girl, like, I can't be your friend. Because like, if that's what she wants to do, that's great. But like, also stay in like my own lane and worry about myself and what I'm doing. And like, I can't control what other people want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And that stuff can be triggering to hang around people. Just like talk about food too much, but it also is like, you have to remember like what fuels you and makes you your best, like is going to be so different from like what fuels me and what makes me feel my best. So it's like having that separation. But yeah, as a mom, that's just like not a good really thing to talk about too. Cause just like kids, like I know I picked up on things when I was younger from like, not even like my family, but just like from the media. And I think it's just, you have to be careful about what you say. Yeah. Agreed. Um, but shifting back just more to your platform, like what do you think that you credit a lot of your success to? Because like you've obviously maintained a lot of relevance and success since you started eight years ago. So do you think there's anything that you did? Because your content's obviously evolved since you started because you've become a mom and everything. Thank you. Well, first of all, I don't – I feel like I just don't do a good job viewing myself as successful. Like every day I'm just so, – I'm very hard on myself in terms of continuing to grow and like not settling. So I don't like look at my brand and my business and I should do this. Like I maybe should find a therapist to work on that with, but I don't look at my brand. I'm not like, wow, you're like killing it. Keep going. And 
that's something that like I really struggle with. But in terms of growing my brand, I guess to be able to support our family of five, I, the dedication, like you can't give up. And I say this to my husband all the time when like he gets discouraged trying something new, like you have to give it time and you have to really dedicate yourself to doing something to see the results. It's similar. Like if you if someone, this is probably like a horrible example coming off of what we just said, but like if you are someone who wants to like lose weight and you're like, oh, I went to the gym one day, I'm like not looking at it. I'm not looking how I want to look. Like you're not going to see results overnight. Like you have to keep things consistent and the consistent posts, the like constantly putting myself out there, pitching myself to brands, never getting comfortable. Don't get comfortable. You have to continue to innovate. You know, this year is like the first in terms of like brand partnerships that's been a little rocky. And I think that's because of a few reasons. Number one, the economy. Number two, because it's a really saturated market now. So when my name is being put forward to a brand, I'm up against a lot of amazing and talented content creators. So you can't solely rely on one income stream and one revenue stream. Um, I think that's been like a huge learning and a huge part of like, quote, having success is because I just don't get comfortable and I don't, I don't sit still. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I love your brand partnership with Perfect Bars. And I know, like, I love them. Yeah. What's your favorite flavor? Uh, the chocolate peanut butter is my favorite. It's, like, my ride or die. But – and my friend who works there is going to, like – she hates when I say this. But my actual flavor that I eat daily is the chocolate almond. And here's why. I eat a lot of peanut butter. Like, I'm, like, known for just sitting with a jar, like, next to my computer and spooning it. Like, people would say that that's, like, a you know, a lot to be, like, eating and whatever. But like, I literally am there with a spatula, like licking it. I love it so much. So when I have snacks, I try, I do my best to diversify my food groups. So I have chocolate almond, but perfect bar, like I partnered with them for like two or three years straight and then COVID hit and then they canceled all their brand partner, their um, influencer partnerships. And I'm just signed my contract with, for them the other day. And we're like starting off a partnership for the first time since 2020. And I'm just so excited because I love them. They're like my everything. It's like them, Hugh, and like Spindrift. Like they've been like like brands I've been eating and consuming since the beginning. So I'm just so excited. Yeah, no, it's so like fun that you get to like engage with brands that like you actually truly actually love. My favorite is the coconut coconut peanut butter. That one's also so good. Um, no, but that's like such a fun brand partnership. And I know they came out with the new like layers. Me and my cousin are both like huge fans of Perfect Bar. So like we'll always send each other like the updates with the new bars. Did you try the layers? I have not, but it's in my fridge. I got the peanut butter um, jelly one. I was going to say that one's actually my favorite. And it, it literally tastes like you're eating like a peanut butter and jelly. What I like about the layers is that they're like lighter than the other Perfect Bars. So they're not as like dense. So a lot of people complain that a Perfect Bar is like a dense snack, which it definitely is. But the layers are like a lot lighter. Um, I have it for dessert a lot. I love it. It's just they did a great job. My whole family just consumes them constantly, like Perfect Bar in general. So yeah. Well, speaking of like kind of like brands like that, do you have any other favorites? Like obviously Spindrift and Perfect Bar, but any other? Because I'm I'm celiac too, like your husband. So oh. like I love like all new gluten free snacks and stuff like that. I do, but like I'm gonna forget brands. So I'm literally bringing up my like content tracker. Like off the top of my head, seven Sundays. Actually, let me try and do this off the top of my head and see if I actually like nail this. Seven Sundays and purely Elizabeth. I'm going to go throughout like my day. So in the morning, I have seven Sundays and purely Elizabeth every single day. It's like my everything. The flavors and what I and like the concoction, it differs day to day. 
But like this morning, I had the seven Sundays muesli. Just hear me out on this. The seven Sundays muesli with like the blueberries. I never remember the names because they're too fancy for me. Um, I put their honey, like honey O's cereal. Then I put some granola in it. It's a weird concoction. It's three different things. And then I put some almond milk. It is just so good. Oh, some sliced banana, some cinnamon. It's delicious. So purely Elizabeth, seven Sundays, uh, Hugh, Simple Mills. Um, I love a good Yasso uh, ice ice pop. I have, let's see, Bonza chickpea pasta. I love. I've been using them for forever. Um, I also recently became friends with the fat, one of the co-founders. He lives locally. I was like, he stopped me in the Whole Foods. I'm like, I'm your like biggest groupie. Like, hi. I love that. Um, Malk. I love their nut milk. If I'm not making my own, I'm trying to see. There's so I'm many. In mush. I haven't had mush in so long. Really? I you see it at all the time. Yes. I am obsessed with it. I think it's so good. I've been actually trying to make my own overnight oats just to like save money, but yeah. they're so good. No, they're delicious. The the my mustard, that like whole grain mustard. I'm a big mustard girly, so like that's a lot. I love the like element hydration packets. Krusty's gluten-free pancake mix. I made it the other day and I think it's like a gift from God. It's amazing. Like you would never know it's gluten-free. You should definitely try it. There's so many. What is your um husband? Do you eat gluten free as well? Kind of just by association, but like for example, before this, I had like Ezekiel bread, um, and that's not gluten free, as you know. So, in our house, I keep the house like probably like ninety five percent gluten free, besides like bread. I mean, my house at home is too, because three, like me and two of my siblings are also gluten free. And it's like pretty easy to have, like to eat gluten free, whether you just have to have the substitutes. But I'm just, what is your husband's favorite gluten free bread? No, it's tough because we haven't found one, excuse me, that like really he loves. Like he eats base culture, which like to me doesn't taste like it's not like a sub for like another bread. It tastes very good. Like I'll eat it. It's like the one that looks like the Mickey Mouse ears kind of. I love cocoa bakes. Um, I don't know if she. Well, because Canyon is like my favorite. I don't know what like the ingredients are like, but like it's so good. It, that's the closest replicate to like a diner toast. You know, when you get like toasted like white bread at a diner, it's like that's the closest you're going to get to that like classic bread. I don't think that anyone has really nailed gluten free bread in a grocery store. And I used to do like a like try four different gluten-free breads in a reel and then like give a full review. And then I was just like, I don't want to be mean and I don't like a lot of these. So that's why I don't eat really eat a lot of gluten-free bread. And you also have to toast it, which is like the like key. Yeah. Well, the one bread and this last thing I'll say on the product side, but um, the one that's like you can eat plain, like without toasting it, that's so good that I get for peanut butter and jelly. Cause like I want soft bread for peanut butter and jelly yes. and it's from Whole Foods. And I'm forgetting the brand, but it's like, like it's actually like low in calorie, which is like definitely not why I buy it. It's the keto or blue, something. It's like blue and white. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, carbonate. Carbonate. It's so good. And I'm like confused how it's so low in calorie, but I, know. I like it for peanut butter and jelly. I don't buy it that often just because it like is a little bit more expensive too, but. I mean, even the base culture one, I think is like $9 for a loaf of bread. Like I, that's why, like, for me and the kids, like, we don't eat gluten-free bread because, like, first of all, like, I don't have the budget for that right now. Second of all, like, the amount of mouths that I have to feed, especially now with my littlest eating food, it's too much. Like, I'll get, like, the right, like, the sourdough bread from Whole Foods or Trader Joe's. We have a local bakery. I love their bread. 
like organic seeded bread that's not gluten-free at Trader Joe's for the kids, but no one's really nailed gluten-free bread. Sorry. Yeah, I know. I know. It's so funny. I, so I found I was gluten-free in like seventh grade. And so back then, and I'm like 26 now. So it's just like, it's become trendy, which is so nice that it's gluten, like for gluten-free people. But I remember when gluten-free first came out, I was like seventh grade and I was eating it at lunch and it just crumbled. And I just was like, what is this? Yeah. Um, but yeah. Okay. Anyways, um, I could talk about like gluten-free products forever. Um, just because like, I actually have so much fun in Whole Foods, but, um, I was just going to ask like, so for like your recipes and everything, I know like you kind of mentioned like your niche is kind of just like healthier products, like using cleaner ingredients, but how do you really differentiate your like recipes from like the other food bloggers out there? Oh, that's tough these days, truthfully, because like I'll post like a reel on Instagram or post a recipe that like I made in 2018 or 2017 or 2020. And someone's like, oh, they posted that like so-and-so posted that three weeks ago. Like, nah, girl, like I made that five years ago and I'm just like resurfacing it. So it's really hard to differentiate yourself these days. So I just try personally not to consume other food blog content because I just think it's it's just like easier that way, to be honest with you. Um, but differentiate, I don't really focus on differentiating, which like maybe is the problem, but I just focus on making the food that like we're eating and like what we want to eat. And I think that's what attracts people though to my recipes is it's like you work all day or you're with your kids all day. Like you're exhausted by five o'clock at five 30. Like what are you going to eat for dinner? And like, I'm like a shortcut groupie. Like I love shortcuts. Like I'm not sitting there cutting an onion perfectly. Like I'm like throwing a knife on it, probably going to cut my finger off and putting a meal together. And I think that makes me stand out because like you don't need any culinary experience. And actually I'm thinking about it. A lot of the content creators that I do follow and like connect with, with their food, they don't do like easy weeknight dinner recipes. It's more like a gourmet dinner or like something that takes over like 45 minutes to an hour. And like, girl, you lost me when I had to like steam, chop and then steam and then put in the oven. And yeah. So I think having quick and easy recipes differentiates me in at least my own way. Yeah. And it's just like, it's more realistic too. Like it's easier for like, and you, it's like very doable and also like not too many ingredients, which is like really helpful because I feel like I open up a recipe and it's like so many things I don't have. And then I just won't make it because it's just going to take me, like, I don't want to go spend so much money at the grocery store. Yeah. There's a time and a place for like gourmet food, but I, I, with three kids, I don't have that kind of time. Yeah. What are your favorite recipes that you've made? Like you've made tons, but what is some of your favorites? Hmm. That's a hard question. My favorite, I'll do it like in some categories. My favorite cookie is my walnut chocolate chip cookie. It is like the best gluten-free cookie. Have you? It's okay if you haven't made it. I haven't made it, but I know it's like your famous. My, actually, I've had it before, but I didn't make it myself. My cousin did. You have to make it. And like, I don't know if you eat dairy, but if you don't, like you can easily use solidified coconut oil. It's okay if it's not like butter, but like it's so good with butter. Um, that's definitely my favorite cookie. My favorite dinner, I love my no-boil pasta bake because it's a dream as a parent. You pour a box or like a bag if I use like the Trader Joe's brown rice pasta pasta into a like large baking dish uh like basically a jar of sauce some cheese I'll put like cooked sausage or vegetables and then you mix it all together with like coconut milk and spices or whatever milk you want put it in the oven it's like a big cd that's foolproof you don't have to boil the pasta in advance I love that um I love my cottage cheese pancakes that's like my favorite breakfast recipe it's so delicious they're fluffy and they're like they do have a lot of protein in them and like healthy fats, which I really like. Um, and I like my turkey, Thai turkey meatballs. My nut or butter cookies are so good. I don't know. I like a lot. Like 
if I'm sharing it, like there's some things I share that are more like Jordan wants this or I know my kids want this. But like if I'm sharing it, it's usually because I really like it. Those are my favorites. Yeah, no, the Nutter Butter ones, like are they're always like so aesthetically pleasing on your page. But I want to make the granola bars that you have too because they just like – Oh yeah. I love it. Especially just like being gluten-free. It's hard to find like a granola bar in stores that like is like a chewy bar and I kind of want to try your recipe. It's really good. I like it with peanut butter. I made it a couple times like without peanut butter and I just, maybe it's just me because I like peanut butter a lot, but highly recommend. Yeah. And so like as a content creator and like balancing everything, what is like a typical day? Like it's going to vary. I know from like day to day, but like what like do you make sure that you're getting done throughout the days? So... I try to be structured in terms of like this day I focus on this, this day I focus on this, or at least in chunks of the day. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are my recipe testing days and like content creation in terms of food. So from 10 until 3, 3.30, I am in the kitchen, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then from like 3.30 until 6 is when I do like administrative like office work, which takes up so much of my time these days, which it's that's it's my least favorite part of what I do, but it's also my favorite because I get to sit down because in the kitchen, I never get to sit down. So by the time I sit at 3.30, it feels so good. Um, and I'm also like, I don't time block like uh, visually, like I don't write it out, but I do have like chunks of time. So like I know every day at one o'clock I eat lunch. I also like nurse Cooper then. And then I go back to recipes and then at like 3.30, I start like all the like back end work of what I'm doing and respond to the hundreds of emails that my team sends me when I am doing that. Um, Thursdays and Friday, Thursdays I do podcast, like my own podcast uh, scheduling, which tends to be difficult. Like, as you know, you're basically doing the schedule around the guest. So I try to do that though on Thursdays. And if that means like pushing out an episode until I can record them on a Thursday, that's what I do. So any podcast stuff is on Thursdays. I'll record like sponsored Instagram story content that's due for the following week on Thursdays um, and Fridays. And then Friday, I record a lot of Instagram story content, which is tough because uh, for, I mean, it's like, spoiler alert, but if a content is sponsored, usually nine out of 10 times I'm sending it to the brand for content approval, posting it a week later. So it's like, okay, I have to shoot for, I'm shooting for ritual today, but it's going live at the end of August. What am I going to be doing on a Monday afternoon? Like, what am I going to be wearing and keeping that? Oh, well, what color are my nails going to be? Like, this is the dumb shit that I have to think about. So I'll get the same nail color for like four weeks straight because until all that content is live, like I'm crazy about that stuff. So trying to like curate all that content for different days of the week within a three hour time span is like pretty challenging. And then Fridays I do personal things and Instagram story content. Did I even just make sense? No, you absolutely made sense. And it's just so f- crazy how much like goes like goes behind, like is in the behind the scenes, like even like the nail polish. Like I love how much thought goes into it. And I like so much thought. I'm sure people would notice. Like, unfortunately, like people are just so like, look at every detail. So they do. And it's like yesterday, for example, like we were redoing my homepage of my site. Like we're starting a newsletter. It's like, there's always so many new things. So I, it's, it's a lot of different things. And Fridays, I always have time to myself. So Fridays, I try to take a Pilates class, a reformer class at 1030. Then I go to dry bar and I get my nails done. I'm sorry. I go to dry bar and get my hair done. Then I come home. I take a break for lunch and then I do work from one until the rest of the day. Yeah. 
That's insane. And that's like, it's hard when it's also like you create the structure too, because I feel like you have to really block out time to like make sure like you just focus in on like one thing and like, because I feel like it could get really overwhelming with all the things that you have going on. So I think it's probably so helpful to block your time. It's really hard. And then also it's like, we have full t- a full-time nanny, not a live-in, but like a, a eight to six nanny Monday through Friday. And with three kids, like the hardest part of the logistics, like even though I have full-time help, like at 3.30, like I'm picking up my son from camp. She can't pick him up because she's not going to like lug two kids to come do a pickup for, it's just like, then he has like 10, like there's just so many things involved with the kids that structure in my day is like key. But also I've had to learn to accept that like it can't be perfectly structured sometimes because Ezra came home at four o'clock yesterday and wanted a quesadilla and he only want mommy to make it. So like I had to stop what I was doing with work and be the one to make his quesadilla for him. And you know, it's a juggle. Yeah, no, for sure. When did you, like, when in your career did you think it was necessary to start, like, help getting other people on your team to kind of, like, help you with everything? When Ezra turned one, I said to myself, like, I can't do this by myself. Like, I'm drowning. My husband was working. Um, he was doing, like, operations at a hedge fund. He was working until, like, 10, 11 o'clock at night, coming home. He was so miserable, and it was just, like, I – would stop working at five when our nanny would leave. And then I would put Ezra down at like seven, seven thirty, And that would work from seven thirty to 10. And I honestly do a similar setup to that right now, which is like not sustainable. I'm learning and <laughs> at all, but that's what I got management because a lot of the nighttime work I was doing was reading contracts, negotiating, sending invoices, following up on invoices. And the first thing that I outsourced was a manager so now I have a talent manager, which also comes with a coordinator. So they help me with my whole schedule. And then after that, a year later, a year and a half later, I wanted to hire someone else. And I also wanted to start a venture capital fund because we, at that point in time, we had invested in eight or nine companies personally. And a lot of friends wanted to get involved and family wanted to get involved. And I was like, sure, I could give you free advice like Jordan and I, but like, I'd rather just invest it for you and like help you. So you like, it just makes more sense. So I asked Jordan if he would consider leaving his job, which he didn't even hesitate because he was so miserable. He left his job, came and worked with me. And that was my next hire. And I'm like, you know, quickly learning that I'm going to need to hire or at least outsource other things in the future. But when Ezra was one, I was well overdue. Yeah. I know. And I feel like you're probably learning as you go, like what you need help with and everything. But yeah, yeah, it's probably super helpful to have other people helping in like even just like the administrative work, like with all the invoices, like that's something that like someone else can easily handle. It's also so boring. And like, like, hi, da, da, da. Like you haven't paid me. You're annoying. Like I'm not professional enough to be sent to do those emails. Like I need someone else to do that. (laughs) No, for sure. What would you say is like kind of like your favorite part of your job? My favorite part. I think that I'm in – it's actually my favorite and my least favorite part, but more so my favorite. My favorite is that I'm in control over what I do. I think that, like, you know, it has its ups and downs because, like, if I don't feel like having control, like, nobody does. So, like, I have to have full control over what I'm doing. And if I don't think about what's next, nothing will happen. Um, my least favorite at points is that. But my least favorite is going back and forth with brands when we don't agree on like a scope of work or like the concept for something I'm shooting or they want something that I'm not comfortable doing. Um, That's my least favorite part because I'm so grateful for these partnerships and to work with these companies. And sometimes when they don't allow me to like 
bring my creativity to the table, it really frustrates me because like, why do you want to work with me if you don't want me to give an opinion or like want me to tell you what I think will be best for your brand within my brand? That makes sense. Is it usually you find most brands kind of like give you like the product and then you kind of have to like come up with, come up with it yourself or is it kind of like 50-50? Depends on the day of the week. Yeah. Sometimes it's like we want you to do this and we want you to wear this color while doing it and this day of the week and this time. Like it's very specific. And then there's other campaigns that are like, great, here's our product. Like make a recipe and like have fun. Yeah. No, that makes sense. How is like how do you maintain like a strong, healthy relationship with your husband as you do like now or like colleagues pretty much as well? Yeah, day by day. I don't know. We're like, I'm very open about everything and like we're not. Like we have a very like quote fine marriage, like healthy marriage, whatever you want to call it. Like nothing's happening that's too juicy, but like we don't do a very good job balancing our marriage and our work relationship. I think that a lot of that is for a myriad of reasons. The first being that I am in charge and he's my husband. That's tough for any marriage. And there's a lot of working couples out there. They could relate. Um, it's really hard to shut off and have that like, you know, intimacy, like in that conversation without like work coming up. I also like, I can't sit in an office with my husband all day. So that's really hard. Like I work from like the couch. I work from the patio. I'll work from my, I'm in my bedroom right now. Like it, you can't, I can't be with my husband all day, every day. Like it's a lot. So we're learning how to, how to handle that. And my husband's parents work together. And when Jordan came to work with me, his mom was like, that's going to be tough. Like as someone who does this every day for 30 years, like that's going to be really hard on you guys. And it, it, it is. But I know looking back, like when I'm, we're older, we're going to like say how awesome it was that we got to spend so much time together. I just keep reminding myself when I don't think it's awesome. No, for sure. And it's, I feel like it's even like makes it a little bit more hard when it is like at your house. Like it's not even like you guys are like have that work separation, like, you know, with the actual office. So it's like, yeah, setting those boundaries, but at least you have a great example of your husband's um, parents that have stayed together. Yeah, maybe. After all that. <laughs> Um, but is there any like thing that like, this is a very broad question, just like would tell your younger self, like now that you're in the place that you are in, like, I know it could be like any advice, but yeah, no, I think about this often. Cause I have a younger brother who's, he's going to be 30 in November and he doesn't have kids. He's like in a you know nice relationship right now. And I always like tell anyone who doesn't have kids, including him, like, and he knows firsthand, like just relax as much as you want to relax travel as much as you can before you have it's more like advice before you have kids to be honest with you career advice it's like believe in yourself don't give up and follow your gut with if you don't have kids and you plan on having kids one day like live your life and make sure you get out of your house make sure you sleep in don't put pressure on yourself to constantly be on on weekends because one day you'll never be able to shut off and that really adds up um and also i recommend having kids early so that way, like I had Ezra when I was 28, which is not feasible for everyone unless they're in a marriage and they're like financially ready. But I'm looking forward to the fact that like in my 40s, I'm not going to be changing diapers of my own children, maybe my niece or nephew. But like I just – I'm excited to like – I I would go back in time and tell myself like you're doing the right thing at 28. Absolutely. I was going to add just like, so I'm one of four kids and my parents say the same, like same thing. They're like, travel as much as you can. Cause when you have kids, it starts to get really expensive. Also, it's hard to travel with young kids. So I 
we'll definitely make sure I do that. <laughs> you're you have you're about a four. Yeah. Where are you in the lineup? I'm the oldest. Oh wow. I know. And we're all really close. How many years apart is everyone? About two years. So oh. my mom like really did it right after one another. Did they always want four kids? I don't know. My mom's one of five. My dad's one of four. So they both came from like bigger families. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. Well, three's a great number. It is. <laughs> we said it, three or four and I was like, yeah, we're good. Oh my gosh. I know. And it's nice that they all seem to be pretty close in age. So it's like, you don't have to, like, I feel like it could be, it, I like love that me and my siblings are all close in age because we can now like relate about things and we're all super close. And I feel like with big differences, it can be hard. Do you live in the same area? So I, my sister's actually going to move here next week, which is so fun just because like we're so close. And then my brother, he will be here next summer. And then my other brother's up in Boston. So all really close. Are I'm you, in New York. I was going to say, I heard a siren. So I assumed that it was like a New York City siren. Yeah. What city are you? I'm in Nolita. Oh my God. That's amazing. So do there's Ruby Rosa. Do they have gluten-free pizza? They do, but it's just not the best pizza. Because I know how good Ruby Rosa is. But there's like so many other good spots that are just like a little bit better for gluten-free people. Interesting. Okay. I might have to ask you for like, I lost touch of anything that's remotely good in the city these days, like less than nothing. I'm so naive to everything in the city these now. No, I, I, cause it's constantly changing. I mean, like, like restaurants are constantly opening, some are closing, but there's in Seaport, there's a place called Kesti that like everything can be made gluten-free. Yeah. And they have like calzones and like just like things that like I've never eaten before. Yeah. So that's good. Where, and so do you guys live in Jersey now? We're in Melbourne, so I'm like 30 minutes outside the city. It's not too far, but like if I didn't have kids, then I would go in a lot more. We went in last Friday to the Upper West Side and went to dinner and to see Ali Wong, which was really fun. Um, She's hilarious. Yeah, she was sister. I was like peeing myself, but she was like talking about getting divorced and how amazing it is to be 40 and divorced. And I was like, cool. That sounds pretty – that sounds interesting in 10 years. (laughs) Um, But it it was a good show. But it's nice to be able to like have access to the city and like when I'm done breastfeeding, I'm hoping I'll go in a lot more. Yeah. Do you just take the train in or would you drive? Now we drive because I roll deep. I have like a cooler and I have a pump and like ice packs and like milk bags. I pump I pump or breastfeed every three hours. So I can run, but I can't hide. Yeah. No, absolutely. And yeah, Upper West Side, there's um, Modern Brenna Bagel, which I'm sure you've heard of. It's really good. It's really good. It's really expensive for those bagels, but like they're so good. Yeah. Exactly. And then, okay, a few other questions and they're going to be like quick, but um, what are some of your favorite, like, I know we talked about products, but like favorite, like just wellness trends or just things that you kind of like to do? So I guess this isn't, well, uh, my favorite wellness trends. So I love facials. I used to get lymphatic drainage massages. I feel like that's probably pretty trendy. I haven't had it since, like, since I just had gotten pregnant with Cooper. So like over a year ago, but the girl who, or the woman who used to do them for me is just moving back to New Jersey. So I'm going to like do that again. Um, I'm like crazy about my facials. That's definitely my favorite thing that I do. And I like reformer Pilates, like not SLT reformer. That's would put me in the hospital. That's not reformer Pilates. Sorry if you work there, but like, it's just not like that's a mega former. That's like a mega liability for me. Um, I like reformer Pilates and I like to like walk as my wellness trend like walking is it's my thing yeah no I've been wanting to try Pilates for so long I just like I'm a little intimidated by the reformer but I like I know I need to go and just get over it and do it you live in the city you have so many reformer machines you need like a mom and pop like the like wooden machine with it just 
it's I used to go to um, a place in Union Square that I really liked, but New York Pilates is like not a mom and pop, but like that's like classic reformer Pilates, and it's forty five minutes. Okay, well, I'll have to do it maybe like this weekend. I recommend it. I really like yeah. it. it's pricey, but like if you go once a week, it's nice. Yeah, I know. I feel like I also just like walk. I love like walking, honestly, in the city. It's just like there's so much. I love the West Side Highway. That's like my happy place in the city. It's the only green on the, in like downtown. We lived in Battery Park for a while. Yeah. That's where I would want to live next, honestly, because it's like that park right there is just beautiful. We lived right next to um, the like the, by the Oculus on the water. Brookfield Place, that's where we lived. And we lived in Gateway, like is the name of the building. It was really nice. I recommend it. And it was like affordable at the time. Okay. Well, I feel like nowadays everything's gone so up in price, but who knows? You never know. I know. Um, okay. The two, last two questions I always like to ask is the first, what is something you do every day that brings you joy? Walking in the morning. It's non-negotiable every day. If I don't, I am wicked. I, I It like just like makes you just like happier. And it's nice to like get outside and like see people and like the sun and everything, especially like working remotely. I completely get that. Yeah. And then the last one is what's your favorite quote or piece of advice? Mm, I feel like I have a few, but the first thing, and this sounds kind of cheesy, is she believed she could, so she did. I love that. And also, I said this to Ezra the other day because he was like, oh, um, I don't want to play by myself. And I was like, listen, dude, the most important relationship that you're going to have is the one with yourself. So you better like to play with by yourself because you're going to be your own best friend. I think that's important. Oh, I love that. That's so cute. He didn't agree with me, but that's fine. He'll understand one day. Okay. And if you want to let everyone know where they can find you before I let you go. If I haven't scared everyone, you can find me at Rachel Mansfield. So Rachel without the E in it, but I do have an E in my name. Mansfield on every every platform. And my podcast is called Just the Good Stuff. And I have a cookbook that I forget about all the time that's also called Just the Good Stuff. And rachelmansfield.com. That'll guide you along. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. 